are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Well, on that note, happy St. Stephen's Day, everybody. Now, in all fairness, you may not be accustomed to thinking of the 26th of December as being anything other than Boxing Day. But the traditional church calendar has marked the 26th as St. Stephen's Day for centuries. In the mid-1980s, the Anglican Church of Canada, there was actually a move to shift it off of December 26th to August 3rd. And maybe if you were a member of a St. Stephen's parish, you might have thought that was a pretty okay idea. After all, if you wanted to celebrate your your patronal festival, your saint's festival, having the day fall in the second of the 12 days of Christmas might be somewhat less than ideal. But you know, I'm not convinced that the feast day should be moved. And when it falls on a Sunday like it does this year, it makes good sense to observe it. And it might seem a bit odd to read the story of the stoning of Stephen during a season that we all assume might be a bit more Christmassy. But the decision to mark the second day of this season by telling the story of the first Christian martyr is no accident. Now, if you participated in our liturgy on Christmas Eve, you'll know that I spoke of how the story of Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem was set against the background of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, the kind of peace that the Roman Empire was enforcing. Sure, the Romans built great roads. They assembled some rather extraordinary cities and kept all of the peoples under their rule firmly in line, but it wasn't particularly safe or happy for most of the average people of a place like Judea or Galilee. Not only that, but by the time of St. Stephen, so shortly after Jesus' ascension and the development of the early church, the established Jerusalem Jewish temple religion and many of its authorities found the whole Christian movement to be a really problematic aberration of the religious faith to which they were desperately holding in the empire. To place St. Stephen's Day here on the 26th says that what you've told the admittedly pretty story of Bethlehem, you need to look at what it might cost to follow that babe once he's grown up. In the case of Stephen, the cost was high. Confident in his faith that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God had acted to bring in a whole new covenant with humanity, Stephen can't not speak his truth. As in the case of Paul and Peter and a host of others who would follow, this is met with deep opposition. 
So Stephen is accused of blasphemy. He's hauled before the council. Undaunted, Stephen preaches. His speech fills the better part of the whole seventh chapter of the book of Acts. And it fuels the fires of those who would condemn him. He's dragged into the public square, and he's killed by a violent mob. But as he dies, his words echo those spoken by Jesus from the cross. He says, Lord, receive my spirit, and Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now listen to what William Willimon has to say about the way that Luke understands the figure of Stephen. Willimon writes, Luke sees Stephen as a hero of the faith, a quite rational person who died for the same faith by which he lived. Indeed, not to die for what you hold most dear would seem to the Church of Acts to be the essence of irrationality, even insanity. So many Christians, and Jesus, died at the hands of the empire because it was impossible to reconcile the Christian claim that is, God, not nations, rule the world, with the claims of a progressive world empire. To follow the one born in the stable in Bethlehem might just mean being placed in a position of conflict with the way in which the world works. For all of the loveliness of the Nativity story, our telling of it cannot stop short of the telling of the bigger and deeper story. It just can't. Now, popularly we do hold this little reminder of St. Stephen's Day comes in the 19th century carol written by John Mason Neal called Good King Wenceslas, which we will sing tonight as we set the table for communion. You know it, I'm sure. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen, so on the 26th, when the slow snow lay round about deep and crisp and even. The carol goes on to tell the story of a good king who, upon seeing a poor man off in the distance gathering sticks to keep his fire burning, is moved to help. The good king sets out with his page to take the man food and drink and wood for his fire. But on the way home, the two of them are caught in a snowstorm. The king trudges on, cutting a path that allows his page to keep walking. As the carol presents it, so passionate is the king's faith that his feet melt the snow and open the path for the page to walk through. In his master's steps he trod, where the snow lay drifted, Heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed. 
And then the closing lines, which offer something of a moral lesson to all who would sing this carol. Therefore, Christian man, it was the 1850s, therefore, Christian man, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, ye who now will bless the poor, shall yourselves find blessing. So the moral of the story is, tell the story of the king, who is prepared to hike out with gifts for this poor man, and would lead the way back with his page and his feet walking after him. Do the same if you have the means. Well, there was, in fact, a Wenceslas. And by most accounts, he was relatively good news as a ruler. He reigned as king of Bohemia in the 900s, so a good while ago. And he had a, a reputation for fairness and compassion as a monarch for actually translating his newly found Christian faith into day-to-day -day practice as a ruler. The story in the carol, of course, is complete fiction. But the historical record suggests that reaching out to a poor man on St. Stephen's Day would not have been out of character for Wenceslas, whether or not, quote, heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed. Doesn't matter. What John Mason Neal wanted to celebrate was the possibility of a good and decent ruler one whose imagination had been shaped by a deep Christian faith. There is, though, another connection to St. Stephen. Wenceslas was also murdered. In his case, it was a plot orchestrated by his own brother, a brother who most definitely did not share his faith or his character. It was in a bid to take over his throne and to return the land to more sensible pagan terms. That's what the brother wanted. He thought that Wenceslas had really gone far astray by introducing Christianity to Bohemia. He wanted the old ways back and he would go to blood if it needed to be. What that brother did not anticipate was that Wenceslas was almost immediately heralded as a saint and a martyr, someone to be remembered and whose story should be told and retold as a model for all who lived in the land. So is it a bit paradoxical to mark the death of a martyr with a feast, particularly in this festal season of Christmastide, no. To mark a feast is not just about being grateful for good things. It's also to resiliently say something about how things should be and shall be. And maybe that's most important in a year like this one, in which we again face the prospect of increasing limits due to the pandemic, the challenge of hunkering down for the sake of the healthcare system, for our nurses and doctors, for the patients, and for our neighbors across the way. Tonight we tell a hard story, 
we remember a costly discipleship and then sing our hallelujahs reminded that both Stephen and Wenceslas before us like them our lives and our deaths are held in the hands of God may these 12 days of Christmas and make no mistake Christmas wasn't just yesterday or in the second of 12 days may these 12 days bring you both a deep peace and new insight into what it is that's actually worth living for in the name of God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.